We're going to speculate on potential transfers here in a minute, and we're going to talk to Matt Powell at Big Wide Receiver Guy, who is a contributor to our recruiting team, um, someone I'm very happy to have. Just We keep bringing in smart people, smarter than Matt and I, um, and I'm just thankful for that. But I, I feel like I need to know how the support for this show and all of the shows on the Kansas Canton feed has grown in the last three to six months or so. It's really been outstanding. We don't have fancy graphics or videos. Everything is very low budget because we're in the infancy of the company and uh, recording and doing this. But still, we're seeing um, the numbers increase every single week. So I feel like I need to say thank you for that. And if you want to support us, go ahead and subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Subscribe to the YouTube page where Debbie Debate is live every single night, uh, not or excuse me, every Wednesday night, 930, and has been since November 1st, 2020. We haven't missed missed a show, thank you to uh, Matt Bruning serving as the bridge once or twice to get us over a few weeks. Um, but yes. Continue to support us. Subscribing on YouTube, subscribing on Apple Podcasts is free, and the numbers mean something. Had a meeting today with a fantasy platform, and I'll just be honest with you. They still think that the folks who believe in college football, that it's a niche group, that we're not a passionate group. And so as we grow, as the college fantasy space grows, we get more leverage. So support us. Support Brandon Lejeune. Support Fantasy Points U, the CFF guys. Support your college fantasy content producers so that we can grow in numbers here. Matt Powell, at Big Wide Receiver Guy uh, on Twitter. Um, you were an ad that Austin really wanted to bring on, and when I – paid attention to your work after he made the recommendation. I was like, well, yeah, that's, that makes sense. We approached you once and you said, "Nah, get out of here, get out of here. It didn't quite we had to like keep, that. we had to keep hounding you. We had to keep hounding you. And this is exactly what we need you for as campus to Canton grows. We need to consider future draft classes, supplemental freshman classes, the same way we would future classes in a dynasty league. So we wanted to bring you on. We know that you've done some work on this 2023 class. But, but, but before we get into the class in general, I want to talk about one of the, the highly touted players in this class, that being Arch Manning, and compare him to his future teammate, Quinn Ewers. And I feel like we've talked about whether or not Ewers or Manning is going to, or whether Ewers, Ewers is going to transfer as a, as a result of Manning's commitment. We don't believe that to be the case. But we haven't asked who is the better quarterback prospect, both highly touted. And I've heard you talk a little bit about this, so you're the perfect uh, guest for this question. Who is the better prospect between these two, and how close is the margin? I, I feel like... By most accounts, the answer is going to be pretty clearly yours. Um, you know, uh, there's definitely been talk, especially lately, I think a couple days ago, the Arch Manning would be a three-star with a different name 
was uh, circulating Twitter. And to a certain extent, you know, Arch is being vaulted by his name a little bit. But, you know, it, he still should be a top five QB for everybody in, you know, for everybody's rankings, I believe. But uh, the, the big difference between the two, I would say Arch is going to be a lot of a much more safe player because, you know, of the family, obviously, and going to Texas, there's, you know, he's going to be a good system. Ewers is the more high-end uh, potential kind of guy. Um, that's pretty much it, really. Um, the big concerns around Arch are the uh, his uh, he doesn't play very good competition, and he didn't really dominate them that strongly. So, and also he's refusing to compete against you know, go go to these camps, go to the eleven, which has definitely been you know drawn a question mark to his profile as well. Those are the real concerns around Arch currently. And it's it's that's something that I heard you say, and I wanted our audience to hear because 2023 supplemental drafts are going to be here very, very soon. And it's going to be tempting for people to see that's an Arch Manning playing for mm-hmm. Steve Sarkeesian. I know that name. Somebody's going to have the one-on-one, and they're going to be pulled towards uh, towards towards Manning. And so mm-hmm. um, at least I wanted to start, you know, some a pullback or rebuttal to that early on so that when we get to – uh, next off season, we have some context for who these players are, and we've heard you know some differing opinions on them. But Manning's going to be the one on one in a lot of places. Mm-hmm. You think so, Matt? So, so I was going to ask you because I know you're you're as plugged in as anybody. It seems like a lot lately, especially if you look at like stuff twenty four seven sports has talked about on three. They're starting to pull back a little bit more on saying that he may not have that perfect rating by the end of next year when that class is solidified because of some of the concerns that you mentioned, which I do think then kind of pulls back on the Arch Quinn debate, which there shouldn't be one, as you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. So if that happens, again, you I know you mentioned he shouldn't be outside the top five. I don't believe any of us have him outside the top five. No, I don't think so. But not one of us has him as one or two, I believe, in this class. So I don't think – I don't want to to our own horn a little bit too much here, but based on the way the things we say kind of reverberate through this space, I don't think Arch is going to be the one-one. I, I would imagine it's going to be Malachi Nelson or Dante Moore. Do you agree with that, Matt? Yeah, I, I, would, I, I think it's going to be pretty consensus Malachi one-on-one. I think Dante Moore is going to be a pretty good second. I think you're going to see those leagues where – Arch will be the second quarterback taken, but you know, I, I think Malachi is going to be the clear one-on-one. Well, we've heard a couple of these names a, a bunch on this show and and Campus Life and throughout our, our content at campusdecan.com. Dante Moore committed to Oregon. Uh, Malachi Nelson going to USC. Nico Iamalieva going to Tennessee. And, and Arch Manning, who's the Jaden Rashada, going to Miami. It, it seems like the the – quarterback class is highly touted do you see the first round of campus to canton supplemental freshman drafts next season is it going to be these quarterbacks going with the first five picks uh i don't think so i think i think you're going to consistently see those three quarterback runs with uh malachi dante then arch or vice versa with dante and arch and then you know cedric baxter he's pretty you know Consensus in this community, at least as the RB one, he's pretty standalone in that area because he's much more athletic than the rest of the guys at his size. 
and uh, you know he's pretty consensus everywhere RB one. So I I think you know he'll sneak up there. And there's also a few really good wide receivers like Zachariah Branch, who a lot of people are really high on. He's my wide receiver one currently. Uh, Makai Lemon, he's definitely in conversation for a few quarterbacks too. And then you know there's a lot of varying opinion on these wide receivers, but I think you're going to see you know at least Cedric Baxter and a few wide receivers in there before you see another quarterback after the three. Uh, you've written a primer on the 2023 freshman class, and you've compared someone to David Johnson, a former Arizona Cardinal in northern Iowa running back. Talk about who that player is and what gets you excited about that player in a running back class that many consider to be a down a down class. Yeah, and I definitely agree with that sentiment that it's a pretty down class. And the the Cobb, the Jeremiah Cobb comparison to David Johnson is more of a style comp. I do see the upside there too as well. Um, he's they, they both can operate as wide receivers solely and as running backs, which is something I really like. He's a I believe he's six foot, 190 pounds off the top of my head. I got him at 21.4 miles per hour. Uh, just committed to Auburn, which I don't love, but you know it should be fine still. Uh, you know, it, in most classes, he wouldn't be in my top five probably, but, you know, it's just not an amazing running back class. And since I wrote that article, he was my RB3. I've recently bumped him down to RB4 after getting on to the uh, Dontavious Braz, Braswell, Braswell, I don't know how to pronounce it, train, yeah, South Carolina celebrate. <laughs> Well, I mean, we've still got second and third round picks in supplemental drafts next year. Jeremiah Cobb committed to Auburn 21.4 miles per hour. My understanding is that anything over 21 miles per hour is, you know, you're really moving. Yeah, for sure. If you're hitting 21, you'll probably be able to hit, you know, in the four fours. I want to ask you one last question, and Chris, if you have anything, you can uh, jump in. But a question about Nico Iamalieva, who you've been critical of. You wrote in that primer that he has a very enticing arm, but his game lacks polish. Can you just elaborate a little bit on that for some? But, you know, this is the $8 million man going to uh, to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when I watch Nico, he reminds me of Malik Murphy from last year's class, except he is literally – 50 pounds lighter or whatever, which is really funny, but they're similar arm talents. He is really high end arm, but outside of that, there isn't that much going for him. He's, you know, he's a one read guy. He's not really, he doesn't really throw with much touch or anticipation. He just kind of, you know, slings it at people because he has a huge arm. That's just what he knows to do. Yeah. I mean, he's going to hit those tight window throws. He's got the really big ooh and ah throws, but it's just not, you know, we, we didn't have Malik Murphy that high last year. I don't know why we're going to have Nico that high this year. I think, you know, everyone on the team pretty much agrees with that as, you know, we're pretty unanimously fading Nico here. It seems. Yeah, we're not, we're not going to have him high. Mm-hmm. I was actually pretty high on Malik Murphy uh, just as an arm tackle. Oh, were so, you? Um, I mean, well, I, I like, I would like to see Murphy be able to start somewhere. You know, Nico's going to hang in, you know, my, around my QB 10, 11, just because of the arm talent. And that's, I don't think I had Murphy too far outside of that area either. So, yeah, the, it's not like I'm totally out on Nico, but where he's going to go in drafts, I am. I think him and and Matt, I wonder if you agree with this. 
I think him and Rashad are getting propped up so much because of the NIL money. It's not necessarily their talent, which we've talked about before. Schools like Tennessee and Miami have to pay that money to get those quarterbacks there, not necessarily an indication of their overall talent. Yeah. Well, both of them are very high in just raw arm talents. You know, well, Nico above Rashad, but Rashad, a very natural thrower too, very good arm. Uh, I don't like Rashad as much lately because of his uh, elite 11 performance. He really seemed to struggle there, especially in compared to, you know, his peers. Matt Powell, big wide receiver guy on Twitter. You can find his work at campus to canton.com matt thanks for joining us tonight yep glad to be with you guys have a good night appreciate it you know if we were professionals we would have like a commercial break here and then we would come back and talk about something completely different but we aren't we aren't professionals Uh, that'd have been awesome because i really need something to drink it's hot here so it's hot in Texas. Did you not well, know that before is, you got on the microphone? But like, not to not to like pull the curtains back a little bit too much. Like, I live my house is old, so so is my AC unit. So it's like a nice, cool eighty degrees in my house right now. I have a semi big house, and my AC unit doesn't really cover this side of my house where my office is. Mm. So it's a little hot. So it's a little hot. Not gonna lie. Do you think? Do you think Shane Hallam is leaving Debbie Marketplace in the middle of the show? He's not. Water? This is why. He's prepared. I'm not clear. Have you ever, if you listened to their show, Shane is like over prepared. I am not. He is over prepared. I was preparing like (laughs) as we were getting ready and I was eating pizza in the background before we started the show. Yes. Yes. You were jotting notes on the show sheet at 914. Yeah. 15 minutes before we go on. Pretty much. Yeah. Um, this is something that I don't I don't know we need to cover in, in intimate detail, but Auburn has hired a general manager from the Cowboys scouting staff. And as far as I can tell, that that is the first type of hire um, that we've seen in college football, where you have a separation. It is not. It's the second. It's the third. It's the third. Anyway, so we have the athletic director. Vanderbilt. We have the head coach. Vanderbilt. Who's this we have, Who is the Miami. other one? Miami did. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Vanderbilt hired um the guy from uh, the twenty four seven. Yeah, from uh did the uh the uh, the podcast and I, I love listening to it. I get cover three. And I can't remember what his yeah. name is now, uh, for the life of me, but he yeah, they hired him as like the general manager type. Well, it seems like the athletic director the only reason why you would hire a general manager is because there's a sort of gap to fill. And with NIL, the regulation with conference realignment and college football getting bigger, I think we're going to see this more and more often. If anything, that shows me that we are headed in a, in a direction where as much money is invested in college football already, there is going to be even more. That's the entire point of conference realignment is to command more in these television deals. Uh, and you add, you combine that with NIL money, you need to have a middle person so all of that isn't on uh, Mario Cristobal or isn't on Brian Harson, who is, we're, I mean, we're counting down to the moment where he's fired, uh, which will be sometime in, in December. So um, it's just something I wanted to point out. It's something I wanted to point out. I, I think, Mox, we got to believe that Brian Harson. He has a new boss now. He's gonna be he's gonna be fired soon. 
Yeah, we'll see if they pony up the money. That was the issue with not canning him this offseason, right? Like he, they they couldn't get the boosters on board to fork up the Dota Pegs buyout, and so like that's what kept kept him there. I mean, it was what a bizarre situation. They had like ten linemen transfer. It was just a crap. Yeah, I think they had eighteen transfers. Yeah, altogether. Tank Bigsby almost transferred. Yeah. So, but I mean, um, he if they'll. They won't pay. He'll stay as long as until the buyout becomes reasonable. Um, I do want to touch on uh, the the hiring, right? It's Drew, Drew Fabianchi. Uh, he was a Dallas Cowboy stout. He's been in the NFL for 18 years. Um, I think this is one of the key turning points where another major program hires a general manager. And I think this tells us two things. The inevitable changing structure in the student athlete designation is probably going to change. We're not going to see student-athletes. We're getting much closer to unionization or some sort of professional model. I think it's going to be very close to running an NFL franchise. Like, I don't think we're that far off. And we're seeing that with the Super Leagues. We're seeing that with probably incoming contract renegotiations, the the inevitable abandonment of the NCAA. Um, This is Every team is going to have one of these people at some point. I just think Auburn did a good job actually getting ahead of the curve. Yeah, uh, I just did a podcast recently with Brandon Hay, <clears throat> excuse me, on his Decoding Devi. We talked all about just like NIL conference realignment. I said to say it's moving toward a semi-pro kind of, of model. I mean, what do NFL TV execs want more of? They want more NFL-style football. Why do you think they keep trying it with this USFL, XFL, whatever all these other iterations of football have been that don't work? What does work? college football and it's not going anywhere even if they make it more of a national thing they're still going to have all of the regionalism that makes college football so great that it's not going to go anywhere I, I agree with what moxley said i mean and we've seen it too right miami maybe you want to put more of that on crystal ball but they've had an amazing recruiting class so far this year bringing him in and the general manager i don't remember the name of the gentleman but the guy that they brought in they've got vanderbilt has had now one of their best recruiting classes they've ever had in their history and doing that as well. So it's a big deal because it allows you to focus on what general managers do at the NFL side of things, which is constantly scouting ahead. Well, I do agree with what both of you said. It's going to continue like all these programs. And to be honest, Ohio state has the same thing. He's not listed as a general manager. And I don't remember for the life of me, what his name is right now, but urban Meyer brought him in. And that is his sole job is that he just goes around the country and finds recruits, finds underrated guys that nobody's looking at. It's why they've been so successful in bringing in some of these guys that ended up panning out. So I do think more and more schools are going to continue to follow that trend. Yeah. And his official job title is director of scouting and development for Auburn. He's basically the director of the personnel director of the transfer portal. He is the guy in charge of moving pieces is, is how I would view it. Just like an NFL general manager is. There's not going to be anything different in like five years between these two positions. Um, it's going to be very, very similar. And I, I, I don't necessarily think that's a bad thing either. I, I think that's actually a good thing for the players and all parties involved, especially the expansion of college football to a national level and the game that we play from a college fantasy perspective. And this could be really valuable to get more people involved when you have media markets and media conglomerates like ESPN, CBS forking over more money for this type of um, format that we're heading to. And I, I, I'm happy for it. Like I'm excited. 
Yeah, I, and I also think we should point out it's not just freshmen. These guys are scouting tr- possible transfer portal players yep. as well and trying to do that like a NFL GM would do current and upcoming free agents as well or trade targets. Chris, you mentioned college football moving towards being more nationally relevant. I mean, I think that that is exactly what we're going to see where, especially with conference realignment, but also with NIL – I think that we will see these faces become more recognizable. You're going to have the NCAA video game come out here soon. Their names can be on the game now. They can be paid uh, for their appearance in the game. And, I, yes, I think that we are moving towards uh, a, a college football where all over the country people are paying attention to all of the teams very similarly to the NFL. Speaking of moving pieces, we did this last year. We speculated on players who could transfer or who should enter, consider entering the transfer portal. I know I've mentioned G. Scott in this conversation. I know I've mentioned um, Demond Demas, who actually has entered the transfer portal before he got into into trouble. Uh, So we're going to do that tonight. And We're going to take a look at some answers from Twitter where we asked this question earlier this week. So I'll start here, and I'm going to go through these relatively quickly. Uh, At quarterback, I've got Connor Harrell at UNC, a three-star recruit from Alabama that I believe Colin and Austin were high on and got to take a look at him in the spring game. And in a good way, he reminded me of Michael Penix uh, in build but also in the ability to kind of go through progressions, just a very, very mature player as a true freshman. Now, um, Drake May is there. Jacoby Criswell is there. You know, by the time uh, Harold would be able to play at North Carolina, he's going to have like one year of eligibility left. He's a good player. I could see him going to another Power 5 school, uh, or or a G five school where he could really like just a very mature mature playmaker who has some dual threat definitely more uh, running ability than Michael Penix but like in the in the forty fourth round I'm like I need to put uh, have Connor Harrell on my team because I like the talent um, and I can see him transferring down at running back I've got Devin Neal Devin Neal is a good player and we saw this with. Jameer Gibbs transferring up from Georgia Tech to Alabama. I could see a school like Texas next year after B. John Robinson leaves or after Jameer Gibbs leaves, where they say, we need somebody who is as talented as one of those players when we reload. Lance Leopold is trying to implement a running back by committee there in Kansas when Devin Neal is clearly one of their best players. Now, he is from Lawrence, Kansas, grew up not too far from the campus, but Devin Neal is the type of player that I could see entering the transfer portal and transferring up to a Power 5 school and making a a difference before he goes to the NFL. At wide receiver, and I hate to say this, but it's Troy O'Meara. Texas is now a destination school for recruits. For transfers, we just saw them get Isaiah Nayor. 
Uh, Troy Mire, if he can get healthy, is a very good player. Could be a a a weapon as a possession receiver. But it's not going to be at Texas. It doesn't look like it's going to be at Texas now. He is from the Houston area. Dana Holgerson and company moving to the uh, to the Big Twelve. You got Matthew Golden there, and Troy Mire probably still has four years of eligibility left, considering. COVID, injury. I mean, he probably still has four years of eligibility eligibility left. So that, those are my three people, uh, potential transfers. Chris Moxley, what do you got? It's so funny you said Connor Harrell because he was one of the ones that I, I listed. I was going back and I was like, that's a really, really good pick. Um, he's one of the guys I was considering. I have Garrett Nussmeyer. As my quarterback, I think if he doesn't win this LSU job this year, I think there's a good chance that he transfers somewhere else. I think he probably goes G5. I'm not sure. You know, he's from um, the Southeast, I think. I think Louisiana might be a good fit for him, actually. Uh, You know, Louisiana Lafayette. Uh, He made a lot of buzz in spring. He was the best quarterback in their spring game. I think he's a quality player, and I think that he can be a above-average starter at the FBS level whether that's like a lower tier power five school or like a upper tier G five school probably remains to be seen. But I think that we saw enough in the spring game where if LSU doesn't turn to him this year, he's probably out. And I don't think that's a bad thing for him. I think that he can really make an impact somewhere. So I like Nussmeyer Um, at running back. I I was torn between two guys. Um, I think Emmanuel Henderson might transfer out of Alabama, but I didn't, I don't think it's going to be this year. I think it might be the year after when it's clear that like, he's getting jumped on the depth chart for more natural runners at the position. Cause I, like we've talked about this extensively. He is not a player who I think is a natural fit at running back. I think we all feel kind of similarly. Um, you know, if you can read our, our profile on him in the freshman supplemental guide, we weren't that glowing. Um, he's a good pass catcher, but he's, a we're going to have the biggest, we told you so given that he's the number one <laughs> running back in the class. And we've said, we said this months ago, Months ago, that this guy is not a running back. So, yeah, he he's a tweener. Um, he he's I would never surprised if he actually transitioned to receiver. But that wasn't the guy I was going to pick. I just want to say I think he does transfer. Not this year. I think Evan Pryor might, and I think Evan Pryor is a really good running back. I think that he's going to be stuck behind Travion. I think Travion's going to get a substantial workload. They still have uh, quality backs behind him. I think Evan Pryor can start somewhere at a power five level and be a productive player. Uh, I think he believed it was the RB 12 in his respective class. So it's not like he was some scrub sitting behind um, Trayvon Henderson. Like he's a really good running back. And I think that Ohio state has depth that they can replace him. And I think that he deserves a shot somewhere else. So if he chooses to transfer, I think he can make an impact somewhere. And I, I would be really excited if he did. I'm not sure if he will. I, Ryan Day seems to retain guys that are, you know, higher four stars at a pretty good rate. Um, Wide receiver, Northern Illinois, Trayvon Rudolph. I think he's one of the more dynamic group of five receivers in the country. He can return I've kicks. I've considered that too. There you go. He can return yes. kicks. He can rush the ball. He's a really – I think he's a really natural route runner. I think he's a player that has pretty good speed. Um, not great, but good enough, especially at a power five level if he wants to go there. I think he can make an impact somewhere. Um, and I think he, I think he's a definitely a good enough player to be at the power five level. He had a 34% market share, uh, this season. 
And Rocky Lombardi leaves after this. You're like, this is his final year of eligibility. And they're a rush-heavy team. Does he really want to roll the dice with a brand-new quarterback for the Huskies on a team that I think is going to take a step back this year because they definitely outperformed their win total? I think Trayvon Rudolph is a really interesting player. And I think he could – Austin brought him up on our G5 NFL wide receivers. I totally agree. Like, I think he's going to be a really interesting asset if he wants to go Power 5. So Trayvon Rudolph was someone I considered also. But I thought that if it's similar with Lou Nichols at Central Michigan, I kind of thought that if they would going transfer, they would have th- this season, this off season. Now, you know, I think Tavon Randolph, that was his red shirt freshman season. So how do you get, how do you get so, it wrong every time? I'm sitting here <laughs> looking at the name. I'm looking at it Trayvon, so I can say it right. Trayvon, Trayvon Rudolph. Tavon Randolph. Tavon Rudolph. Listen, the wide receiver at Northern Illinois. Yes, very talented. But I was like, would he would have is would he have transferred already? Very similar to Kanate Mumfield, who transferred after his redshirt uh, freshman season. Um, But yeah, very explosive player, and I agree with you. I agree with you there. He was someone that I had considered as far as transferring up. Uh, yeah, I think so. I think the difference between someone like him and Lou Nichols is that Lou Nichols probably should have transferred. He lost his uh, offensive coordinator, and I believe he lost his offensive line coach as well as well as losing two really talented offensive linemen um, in the draft. Like that's a situation he should have moved on from. Northern Illinois, retor- Northern Illinois returns a lot of talent, including the quarterback. So I think that if he wants to make the transfer decision next year, is totally fine because I think he takes a huge step back in twenty twenty three if he if he chooses to stay at northern illinois at least all right matt let's round it out with your potential transfers and then we'll get into the uh into some answers we got from twitter uh so two of my quarterbacks um i really think covid affected both of these guys and possibly developing and everything ty thompson you know colin myself really hoped he was going to be the guy at oregon I don't know if he's just not developing what's going on. I do think he's a really good quarterback prospect. If they bring in Bo Nix, they just got Dante Moore. Dante Moore is the one guy in this class I think could start day one as a freshman. I think that's a realistic possibility at Oregon. If he were to transfer, you know, I was looking at different schools like Minnesota, I think would be an interesting one there with um, his PJ Fleck. I mean, they've got Morgan out getting ahead and out the door. He should have left a long time ago, but whatever. He's still there for more. None of the guys behind him really inspire any confidence for me. Houston with losing tune this year, especially with that offense, I think would be a lot of fun. The quarterback like Ty Thompson, Wisconsin, if they could ever get past Graham Mertz. I know they had a lot of hype uh, for the young freshman behind him in the spring camp, uh, and I can't remember his name for the life of me right now, uh, but they, he was getting a lot of hype. Kentucky's another one. I feel like they brought in Will Levis, he is getting a lot of NFL draft buzz. If he actually does get drafted in the first or second round, I could see a guy like Ty Thompson wanting to go there and almost following in the exact same footsteps that, that Will Levis did in leaving Penn State and going there playing for a year or two, possibly kind of rebuilding his uh, his draft equity. And it, a sneaky one for me is, is possibly Oklahoma. Mm. I don't think that Jackson Arnold starts as a freshman, very highly rated quarterback, a guy that a lot of us at the site like. Nick Evers, if you don't follow Nate Marchies at CFF, I think it's CFF underscore Nate, uh, one of our CFF guys. He is really plugged into Oklahoma. 
And he talks a lot about how they're just not really impressed with how well he's been developing. I wonder if they really want to give him that job next year. So uh, any of those places, I think Ty Thompson would be a good transfer to. And then same with, go ahead. Oh, I thought you had something. No, I I was going to give you credit because Ty Thompson was on my list. Ty Thompson, the five, five or four, very highly, very high four four star. star. Very high four star in the 2020 class. Looked great in the spring game. Uh, did not play behind Anthony Brown, but I was going to give you pr- credit because all of those landing spots make sense to me. I mean, I think that he would be very relevant in any of those spots that you named. And and, it, well, and I was going to say, same way for me for Jake Garcia. I mean, I, assuming Tyler Van Dyke does go to the NFL, I don't know that they want to start Rashada, but I do worry a little bit about, we've talked a lot about on here, like, how much does that NIL money actually mean? And does that push them forward? If if Garcia does not get the starting job next year, I do think he's a guy who could transfer. I also think he's a very good quarterback. I, I know Tyler Van Dyke did technically beat him out, take that job. I think Garcia is better than Van Dyke. And so I would love to see him get another starting job somewhere. And I think all those schools apply to him as well. Like he's a, a really good quarterback in my opinion. So, well, You think Garcia is better than Tyler Van Dyke? I do think that Jay Garcia is better than Tyler Van Dyke personally. All right. Uh, my running backs, uh, my guy, Gavin Sawcheck, uh, again, sticking with uh, some stuff that Nate said, they just, they don't really, what? Is he even enrolled in Oklahoma yet? He is. He is. Unfortunately, (laughs) like, well, that's the thing though. He's not, as of right now, he he finishes his geometry. Yeah. He wasn't enrolled early. There's a lot of questions about his size. Javante Barnes apparently has just seemed to like blow up this past spring. Looked good in the spring game. They've got all these other running backs. They're in on some of these guys in the 2023 class. I don't know that Gavin Sawchuk fits the mold of what this new offense wants. I think he could go back home. Now, I know Washington just brought in Dumas, but I think he's a good fit there at Washington. I also think he's a really good fit at UCLA. And they're losing Charbonnet this year. None of the guys there on that depth chart inspire confidence for me. So I think Gavin Sawchuk would be really good for him. Again, I think a lot of this is because he did not enroll early. And, and I do think that kind of sucks. That That's kind of cost him a little bit. Uh, my other running back was one that, that Chris mentioned was Emmanuel Henderson. But I didn't really know where to put him because like I really think, and I know Austin's probably mentioned this as well, I really think he's going to end up going the seven McGee route. Like he's going to stay at Alabama this year as a running back. And then next year he's going to transfer somewhere and move to slot wide receiver. I think that's going to be the best thing for him. He could probably go almost anywhere and be a pretty damn good slot wide receiver. So I'm, I'm fine with wherever he goes. Uh, my last wide receivers here. It, it's, I was, uh, I, I was going to talk Troy O'Meary, but Felix, I, Felix should talk him that that's his guy. It's like the entire Ohio state wide receiver room outside of Keon Grace. The guys that they've brought in right now in this class are really good. There's another guy in Bryson Rogers who is also really good that they're they're leading on. Caleb Burton, I think the injuries clearly slowed him down a little bit. He's still a really good prospect, in my opinion. I think he's, he could be a starter somewhere. I don't think Julian Fleming is going to have a good year this year. I don't think he's going to be able to leave the NFL. Him or Jaden Ballard will transfer out, and then Kojo Antwi. And then one of uh, just looking at places I feel like needed wide receivers. We've talked about this a lot. Felix brought this up multiple times last year. Wisconsin, they could bring in like I think Caleb Burton would fit really well in that Wisconsin offense. Would they actually go out and get a wide receiver? Probably not, but I think he would fit there. Um, and then Baylor and Miami, like Baylor for Jaden Ballard or Julian Fleming, I think would be a, a smash for them. It seems like the NFL is kind of fading Baylor wide receivers a little bit outside of the Patriots who take them like really early first round or whatever, wherever they took Tyquan Thornton. I can't remember. Uh, and then Miami, because we've seen, they have just really 
not seem to love their wide receiver core. We've heard a lot of talk about how none of these guys are really able to separate or be different. I think any of these guys could go there and probably be starters. But outside of them, it was kind of hard for me. Oh, JoJo Earl and Christian Leary. Those were the other ones. I was trying to remember who, who I thought of the last minute. I don't think Saban loves his wide receiver room. They're, he's continually bringing in these transfers, right? He brought in Tyler Harrell. He brings in Burton. They got Malik Benson coming in next year. I think that speaks volumes to what he really thinks about Ja'Cory Brooks, JoJo Earl, and Christian Leary. I don't know that Brooks leaves. I feel he's a little bit different than the others. But JoJo Earl and, and Christian Leary, I think both of them could transfer out either at some point in time this season or at the end of the year and go somewhere else. I do think both of them are good enough to play practically anywhere, but they're both players I think could transfer out of Alabama. And, and I did call, I think I called Jojo Earl potentially a sell on uh, our You did because so. me and Austin were, were high on him. And you said that you didn't think he was going to, that you would, uh, you would sell on him. We, we were high, high on who? Wait, I've been the highest on Jojo Earl. What are you talking about? On Jojo Earl? Oh, no, yeah, yeah, you're right. Me, we would talk, jo, it was Ja'Cory Brooks versus Jojo Earl. You're right, you're right. My bad. Yeah, I've been, I've been the highest on Jojo Earl since you know, the, the entire time. Um, all right, let's go from, get some answers from Twitter. A couple of people, including Kevin Coleman, uh, host of the Debbie Royale on Tuesday nights and a contributor here at campusscan.com, he's, and I, I know one other person answered Luther Burden, the five-star freshman wide receiver at Missouri. What do you all think of that answer? I I don't really buy it. Um, Neither do I. He's from that area. Like, he's from East St. Louis. Like, if he was going to go somewhere else, I think he would have already gone somewhere else. Like, I don't think that he's staying at Missouri just because it's Missouri. Like, I, I think he's staying close to home for a reason. Like, I don't know how far Columbia is from – East St. Louis, but like, I I don't know why he would like he had the opportunity and, and turned it down. Like I don't think he's going to get more nil money at this point than he was going to get coming in, unless he just absolutely smashes and becomes like this top amazing prospect, which it could happen. But I mean, still Missouri, like he's probably going to have pretty production production. Yeah, I mean, he chose Missouri for a reason. He had thirty nine offers, including from teams like Ohio State, Texas, USC, Georgia, Oklahoma, Alabama, Auburn, Florida. Like all the big schools were in on him. He didn't just choose Missouri. He's like, oh, easiest path to playing time. If he would have chose Ohio State, he's getting on the field. Like he's that damn good. If he chooses Oklahoma, he's probably starting this year with with a. Uh, Oh my God, Dylan, Dylan Gabriel. I could not think of his name for the life of me. Like he's starting and probably a really good wide receiver. I don't think he's leaving Missouri. It's his hometown. I think we, when we sometimes look at this from the fantasy perspective, we look, oh, these guys want to go play at all these big schools. Sometimes these guys just want to stay close to home and play for a school that they grew up loving and cheering for. And Burden is a talent that if he succeeds at Missouri, which I expect him to, he's still going to get drafted in the first round. He doesn't have to go to Alabama and blow up to be drafted as a top 10 pick. He'll do that at Missouri and still get drafted very highly. They're a damn SEC school. school. Like, yeah, I know. Yeah, SEC. that's what – like, I could get if he went to, like, Missouri State and, like, well, I don't even know if Missouri State's an actual school. Like, if he went to some, like, really low-end school – okay, he went to a Missouri State, I get it. But he went to Missouri, guys. Like, he's not – it's not like it's a, no, a bottom-tiered school. It, it feels a little bit like uh, Rakeem Jared going to Maryland to me. So, you know, and that hasn't worked out great. So I could see, you know, maybe if he's not developing or getting the stats that he thinks he should after year one, because he should be a focal point of the offense. Maybe, 
him and Dominique Lovett are actually really good players. They need a, a quarterback there uh, at Missouri. The one, the last thing I'll say on Burden, I'm gonna give Austin credit, even though he's not here. He's enjoying a, a third don't give Austin concert, I believe. Don't, don't uh, give this Austin was, any credit. This was before our time at Debbie Debate, but I, I distinctly remember Austin not being that high on Rakeem Jarrett. And I think we can all agree on this. When it comes to scouting wide receivers, Austin is really good at that. He really seems to nail wide receivers in a way that me and Felix can't. So I, I really want to give Austin credit on that. Either, I can either confirm or deny. And him and a lot of the guys on our recruiting team are so high on burden. And I am myself, but again, I'm going to give those guys the credit because I trust their analysis on it. I just... I get what you're saying on the Rakeem Jarrett to Maryland thing with Burton, but I think Burton's better that he'll make it succeed a little bit easier than, than Jarrett was at Maryland. Um, Nate Christensen, uh, co-host there at dynasty rewind. He jumped in here and said, tank Bigsby. Now I th- it's an interesting um, uh, throwing Bigsby's name out there because he almost entered the transfer portal this off season and if he has another down year and he's looking at like an Isaiah Spiller type drop in the draft, which I think that he's a better prospect than Isaiah Spiller. But if he's looking at that, yeah, he could transfer um, for his last year of eligibility and be a four year running back, you know, at a bigger at a bigger uh, uh, school with more talent around. him. Yeah, I, I buy that. If he stays, if he stays, that'll mean two things. One, he was unproductive, and two, or the NFL just doesn't like him. Both of the scenarios are probably necessitated transfer. And I, I mean, I don't know if Auburn would really be that comfortable going in with Jarquez Hunter. They might add another transfer as well. But like, Baseby almost left. Like, he was this close to leaving. Unless Arson moves on and he has confidence in the coaching staff, like, is he really going to stick around for a fourth season if he, especially if he feels like he's underutilized in that offense? I don't think he will. I think he's going to go to the NFL either way. I mean, the the big thing with Spiller is he really seemed to take a big hit on his draft capital after the combine and testing. Bigsby is going to excel in any of the athletic testing when it comes to the combine and everything. So I think he'll be fine at the end of the day. I don't think he, I think he's going to be good enough. There's a lot of speculation. We've talked about it on this show. They've talked about on campus life that he was dealing with an injury last year. I think Bigsby, if I agree with the premise on why he would, I I think there's like a less than 40% chance that he does. I think he just goes to the NFL. Uh, Dobby Diagnostics has added the exodus that Jackson State will see if and when Deion Sanders uh, takes the head coaching job at Florida State. Shadora Sanders, Travis Hunter, uh, Kevin Coleman, no relation to Kevin Coleman from the Debbie Royale, all of those guys, uh, leaving Jackson state. And I think that that's, you know, I think that that's a good point. Um, Matthew, one last one for you, because of course your boy, Kyle McCord has been thrown in here a couple of times. Yeah. No. How do you see just, how do you see that, that breaking down after this season, after CJ Stroud makes a jump to the NFL? I mean, I've I've said it multiple times. I'm I'm not changing my stance on this. I do think he wins the job. If he doesn't, he's transferring. He's not going to stay there and back up Devin Brown. I actually almost put Devin Brown on the list because I do think Kyle McCord wins the job. If he does, Devin Brown's transferring. He's not staying. He's not going to – I don't think. Moxley did bring up a good point in that Day does seem to find a way to keep these guys around. I don't know how. 
maybe Devin Brown decides to stay for two years? I wouldn't think so. I would think if, if McCord wins the job, Brown's out the door. And I wouldn't blame him. I think he should go out the door. I just think, based on what we've seen with Day, I, I've said it before, Devin Brown graded out higher for me than Kyle McCord. I do think he's better, but it's not by an astronomical amount. It's not like you're looking at a the like, elite of elitist quarterback prospect in Devin Brown. He is very, very good, but so is Kyle McCord. I do think there is a little bit of trust in, in, in that system with what they've built. I think they will go to Kyle McCord first, not saying that his lease won't be short. And then if Devin Brown doesn't stay, he could take that job over. But I do believe game one next year, as of right now, Kyle McCord will be the starter. The The year is going to be 2047. And that's going to be the year Kyle McCord is going to take the Ohio State starting job. No, nah, he'll be playing. He's going to be, so, be starting. I'll be, I'll be arguing if, as him as the backup for some team somewhere. The, the ultimate irony will be he'll be. He'll end up going into the NFL. He'll transfer somewhere. He'll go into the NFL and he'll be drafted by the Browns. And I'll be arguing every single year that he's not going to be the backup to like Deshaun Watson for like five or six years. I was just going to say, you're you're very close to arguing. Kyle McCord is going to start over Dylan Royola. I guarantee it. I guarantee it. No, I will not go that far. Dylan Royola is a different (laughs) special. (laughs) Uh, That's all we got tonight. Check out the content at campuscan.com. I mean, come on. There's stuff on the website every single day. There's new articles. There's new audio in the podcast feed. There's new video on the YouTube page. And we're going to uh, be doing our shows, our uh, uh, in-season shows Saturday morning on the YouTube page, the tailgate in the evening and the evening show, whatever we end up calling it. So, um we are going to want your support for those uh, uh, shows also. All right. That's it. Apologies to Kirk Herbstreet. We ran out of time. We'll get him rescheduled soon for Matt Bruning and Chris Moxley. I'm Felix Sharp. Good night and good luck. Intercepted by Eli Apple at the 25, and Apple will go to the ground at the 32, and that's it. Ohio State national champions for the eighth time as they defeat Oregon 42 to 20. Here's Tua stepping back, loads up, looks long, throws end zone, touchdown, touchdown Alabama, Devontae Smith, touchdown Alabama. And the Crimson Tide has once again ascended to the top of the college football mountain. Their fifth national championship in nine years. Their 17th overall. And for Watson takes a snap, rolls right, looks to the end zone. Hunter and Bob caught it. Touchdown! 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 With a second left, Watson hits Renfro. And Clemson grabs a 34-31 lead and is one second away from the second national championship in school history. Hill, just in front of his end zone, has a man out there. It is Ranger, and he's off to the races. Nobody will catch him. Freshman.
made the adjustments in the second quarter. Dobbins again, more than 10 yards per carry. He'll add to that. Goodbye. Touchdown, Ohio State. From 52 yards.